0: everyone, and welcome back to Processions, episode 15. I think with today's episode, I'm going to conclude what I guess I'm calling season one of this show. With these 15 episodes, I hope to have encapsulated a certain circular methodological approach that we are taking at Money on the Left, and I look forward to developing this show in the future in another burst of output, perhaps from a different set of questions or concerns but for now i'm going to be reading to cap off this season Friedrich Jameson's archaeologies of the future the desire called utopia and other science fictions this book is certainly a canonical entry into recent critical theory of science fiction and Jameson of course is a massive figure in literary theory and critical theory in general, and he takes on the question of utopia in a number of different ways. I'm going to focus on, I think, this particular question of the desire called utopia, which he lays out in quite a bit of sort of recursive detail in this book, which is, I will say, from my experience reading all of it, quite long, but also really quite rich. And so I'm going to focus in on an early passage where he talks about what he calls a utopian enclave, right a, a space for thinking utopia throughout the history of science fiction and the relationship between political economy and critiques of political economy and this ability to think utopia. And so he articulates here this enclave, what he calls a utopian enclave, as a space of moneylessness, of propertylessness. And as you can imagine, through MMT, we can dig into this in a critical way. But for now, I'm going to hand it over to Jameson so that we can start. This is pages 16 and 17. Such enclaves are something like a foreign body within the social, In them, the differentiation process has momentarily been arrested so that they remain, as it were, momentarily beyond the reach of the social and testify to its political powerlessness at the same time that they offer a space in which new wish images of the social can be elaborated and experimented on. So it is that despite the commercial bustle of Moore's London, Thomas Moore he's speaking of here, The money form is still relatively isolated and sporadic in the agricultural world that surrounds it. Enclosure will be the essential step that opens this older world up to wage labor. We may thus posit the money form as leading a kind of enclave existence within Moore's historical moment, thereby proposing a cognate figure to the one Marx famously uses about the international role of money in an earlier period. Jameson quoting from Marx here, trading nations, properly so called, exist only in the interstices of the ancient world, like the gods of Epicurus in the Intermundia, or the Jews in the pores of Polish society, Here too, in this still largely medieval moment of, quote, early modernity, unquote, money and commerce will have remained episodic embodied in the decorative ostentation of gold on the one hand or the excitement of the great fairs on the other, but this enclave status of money is precisely what allows Moore to fantasize its removal from social life in his new utopian vision. It is an absence which will become unthinkable when the use of money is generalized to all sections of the quote modern economies, at which point utopian speculation will take the form of various substitutions. Stamp script, labor certificates, a return to silver, and so forth, none of which offer very convincingly utopian possibilities. Yet the paradox which Moore's fantasy allows us to glimpse is the way in which this monetary enclave, and this strange foreign body as which money and gold momentarily present themselves, can at one and the same time be fantasized as the root of all evil and the source of all social ills, and as something that can be utterly eliminated from the new utopian social formation. The enclave radiates baleful power, but at the same time it is a power that can be eclipsed without a trace precisely because it is confined to a limited space. So something I should say, of course, is Jameson here is referring explicitly to Thomas More's sort of acclaimed book, Utopia. And this early modern book sets out right, a, a space, an enclave, with which a utopian society can be imagined, one without money, without property. This is within the the narrative structure of utopia. Now, there's a lot to think about here, and I'm going to try and list through each sort of conceptual step that Jameson is taking, right? So the first is thinking about an enclave as a space without money, right? A utopia, a space without money, and a no space, right? A no place. Thinking of it as a foreign body. Now, this is really important because I'm going to come back to this. Because when Jameson quotes Marx, he's quoting a section, of course, of Capital Volume 1. I've actually read this on the Superstructure podcast before. But he talks about the Jews within the pores of Polish society, right? This is very... It's a foreign body within the pores of a society, right? So there's some complicated foreign externalization happening here, but what essentially he's saying is that in Thomas More's London, we of course have money all over the place, right? We have enclosure, right? A process is sort of ongoing, this early modern process of enclosure, of, of cultivating wage labor, of, of kicking people off the land and out of their so-called subsistent being, Jameson sees a mirror of Marx's articulation of this moment in Thomas More's Utopia, but precisely a mirror that makes thinkable the non-monetary, non-propertyed existence that came before capitalism on Marx and Jameson's reading. And so it's because it's still a contingent moment where there's money and not money, right? Where there's a sort of modern cityscape taking shape there's wage labor but there's also a not yet concluded enclosure process that Jameson sees moneylessness and propertylessness as something that is thinkable in this sort of intermediary moment now of course as a historical matter from the money on the left perspective importantly right money is a problematic is not hyper historically specific in this way right there's a there's an overarching dependence accounting non-self subsistence as a matter of human existence right that isn't we we don't lose or have fallen into there are of course changes and enclosure is a thing that change the methods by which dependent forms of reproduction were articulated and that's a meaningful change right? And we want to hold space for that change to be meaningful as a matter of what one could call the transition into modern capitalism. But importantly here, the utopian wish, the utopian desire is one that posits the, the before money, the before forms of property. Now, I say this in a very particular sense, right? Because, of course, there are different kinds of legal mediation of space, right? And it's not to say that private property, as it's articulated in a classical liberal model, isn't also different. But there's fundamentally not an absolute before that then we fall into. And so what Jameson is articulating is that the utopian wish for moneylessness and propertylessness, right, this absolute absence, is one that's predicated on an imagined Memory or false story into money. And this has to do with reification, right? He's talking about the ostentation of gold, which then gets substituted later on for different types of things. But the premise of this, what we could, again, because he's quoting from Capital Volume One, think of the MCM circuit as a sort of gold getting in between these barter exchange myths. So we have this problem, this problem of of history here right and of an ongoing archaeological problematic of accounting of production of mediation that marx and jameson predicate their fall into capitalism upon its non-existence right upon the not the absence of such human problems right and And so we want to say, no, this is not a false story. There are changes, but it's not a false story. And so then importantly, we can think about what this foreign body means. So for Jameson and Marx, right, the foreign body means moneylessness, propertylessness. It means the absence of dependence upon a value form that alienates us. And that is the foreign body, right? The foreign body is that absence. But they also seem to be articulating another foreign body here, which they're trying to then flee from, which is money, right? We can think of, of course... The the analogy here to the Jews and the pores of Polish society, right? They're within this mediated space. They've infiltrated, right? Money has infiltrated. So it's my reading that money is the foreign body. And it's the foreign body that they are trying to exclude with their utopian wishes. And so we can rethink utopia on the terms of not money being something that we have to escape as a foreign body, and then posit the escape from money as that which is foreign and unthinkable. But precisely money as public mediation, as a problem of existence, as the foreign body which we must include, right? It's something that's fucking hard to think. And so with all that coming full circle, we can think about a utopian wish and desire in a different way. Not for the absence of money, but for the opening up of its inclusive possibility for accounting for all things, foreign or otherwise. And with that, I hope we can push beyond this dialectical cage that Jameson finds himself in where both moneylessness is the only thing that's thinkable as a critical escape from capitalism, but yet it's also seemingly, to him, unthinkable. When what really is unthinkable is the possibility of money that's with us in the here and now that we must politically struggle over. I hope you've enjoyed this first season of this series. I certainly have appreciated all of the comments online about it. And, um... With signing off now. We'll see you soon. Have a good one.